Hey, it's Garbage Brain University. I'm Drew Toothpaste. I'm Natalie D. Today we're talking about Bark. jobs. The whole idea of working. What happened to make us go from being like animals to being in the fucked up mess where we just toil? So Natalie, <laughs> what is work? Work or labor is an intentional activity that you perform to support yourself, others, or the needs and wants of a wider community. So the idea is that everybody specializes and does one thing extremely much. And if everybody does different things extremely, well, then people specialize and it contributes and, and makes it so you are able to do something that other people aren't able to do and they're able to take advantage of your skills. Right. Like I couldn't make earbuds. I mean, I think even if I had the parts and even if I had done the research on how to get parts and stuff, I couldn't make earbuds by myself. That's why I have a child do them. In another country. There's alternate definition of work where it is uh, the human activity that contributes towards the goods and services within an economy. So there's the, there's an idea of work where you're contributing to the society and the community that you live in. And the idea of work where it is that is economic activity. So when did people start work? <laughs> When was work invented? They think that the organization of work started around the time that Homo sapiens started started evolving. Really? And they think that that ability to organize work was part of the defining characteristics that was Homo sapiens. Work is really what turned us into modern humans, so the so the theory goes. Right. Like organized work. See, there's two different schools of thought. One group of people thinks that organized labor and being a cog in the machine is the way that humans became humans. And then there's the other type of people who believe that eating psychedelic mushrooms is what turned us into people. Right. Okay, so when Homo sapiens started kicking off, like their defining characteristics from the, the species that were before that were our brain structure is more complex. We use linguistic communication. Uh, we use tools and we have a division of labor. And they think that that division of labor is what led to humans having like a conquest type relationship with nature. Okay. So division of labor, what exactly does that mean? Division of labor is when certain individuals would be better at doing something than other ones would be. So one person would be really excellent at making flints. And they, they were able to recognize that that guy makes the flints that are nicer and he makes them faster than anybody else. So why don't we just have him do the job that we're not, you know, having people specialize and having that be that person's job. Yeah, and you get one guy who's really great at killing animals they send him out to hunt and they get a lady that's really good at gathering berries that are not toxic so they have her right mm -hmm. okay right, right. Okay. or like one guy's like he's the guy who knows where they always have that one kind of grass where they use it to make hats <laughs> oh hat grass i don't <laughs> And that's the thing. You told me, hey, go out and find grass to make hats. I'd be like, I wouldn't even know. I'd have to go. I'd probably go down by the quarry, find <laughs> some old abandoned grass down there, see how that hats up. <laughs> I would look for a hat grass that has like a supple texture to it so I could like 
do some more intricate hat building before it starts dry. Hat tech. Hat tech. <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly I'd have a job making hats. Yeah, do what you love and you'll never love a day in your life. <laughs> do what you love and you'll never love anything that isn't work. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so people, like prehistoric people, started organizing the way they would gather stuff, hunting and gathering and all that. And so they'd be like, okay, so all the guys who are most strongest guys, you guys are going to go and hunt because you could definitely beat up the animal we're going to eat. And all you people who are short and good at picking, you guys are going to go pick stuff. Then we're going to have all the ladies stay here and uh, cook and make clothing and do all that shit, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so that was that was basically what they would do. And so they would sort it out by age and sex and all that other kind of shit. But like way back then, people would would be able to share work and organize work in a way that they could support their community. But everything was very uncertain and so they were they never had a surplus so there was no economy because there was no surplus in order to have anything to to give to somebody else ah okay so the cornerstone of a trading economy means that you have to have more than you need right so if we're talking subsistence then that doesn't generate more than you need subsistence is get everything you need right everything you need and nothing you don't need Like, you find exactly as much as you need. Right. Why would you pick more off the trees than anybody could eat? Because then it would rot. Right. And so there was no, there's no economy for that reason. And there was also a lack of an economy in those times because the pockets of populations were very sparse. Uh And so, and then the different populations never really met each other that much. And if you did, it would be hard to take goods. If we're talking negative 30,000 or something. It would be very hard to take goods, you know, 100 miles on foot. Right, right. And it's not, it wouldn't make sense that you would have something that somebody 100 miles away wouldn't have also. Yeah. And, okay, so there was the amount of work that was needed to do to support their community. When you would work in that respect, it would not take you really that long. And so you would go and hunt or whatever, you'd be gone for however long it took, but you wouldn't... It wasn't like eight hour day. It wasn't a 40 hour week. No, you might go hunt and it might take you a long time, but then you would eat off that for days and days. Right, right. And you wouldn't make clothes every single day. You wouldn't, you know, it's like, and so it was like more of a relaxed, relaxed lifestyle in terms of like the amount of work you would have to put in. Yeah. And the idea is that humans' brains were good enough that we could figure out how to feed ourselves in like a minimum of time. Like koalas have to eat all day Mm -hmm. because there's not enough nutritional value in what they eat. Right? Right. So they have to eat all day. And humans with what they eat, especially after we got fire, mm-hmm. after we got fire and we could cook food and make all of our nutrients more bioavailable, buddy, then we have to eat a lot less. Right? right? right. And then we have to work a lot less to get the food we need to feed ourselves, etc. Right. So really, it was a culture of chill. <laughs> yeah. Right. It was like pretty cool. Like no one was like, no one had any, any more than anybody else. There was no class. Until... What happened? I haven't got there yet. But the idea of class has not has not come to bear and and people were just like, whatever, we're just we're gonna get as much as we need. That's how much we need. Like maybe we'll have some for the winter, 
we don't need more than that. There was no division of labor based upon class. There were no jobs that were treated as being more... What's the word I'm looking for? There were no white collar jobs. Right. Is what there's, you're there's saying. No, there's no prestigious jobs. Yeah. Like, oh, you're the guy who goes hunting, huh? Fancy. <laughs> the first, the first people who had specific jobs were part-time specialists, and so they were ones who would spend a little extra time doing a good job at what they were good at, so other people could have their good quality thing. Okay. So maybe someone who had made flints or did weapons, and they would trade for whatever little surplus of food there might be. The communal activity at this time was presided over by, like, familial relationships. Like, people might not all be directly brothers and sisters, but it was always, like, people were, like, always related a little bit. And it was like a large group of people. These groups of people had like a tribal chief. And the tribal chief would kind of control the way that the community trade activity would be. And so that was like the first instance of people being managed at what they were doing. Mm, The Fed. Right. That was when government started to oversee like how people were doing their business. So that's when the first time that somebody's job was something where they told other people what to do instead of them directly creating value. Right. So that was the invention of manager. And that happened in prehistory. We don't know when. Right, right. In prehistory. The first, one of the first organization, like complex organization of work came when people started making pottery because clay is not evenly distributed. Like people might not live next to a clay deposit. Ah, and this opens up the doors for trade between tribal groups. Right, because some people don't have it. The places where you could make pottery, there was a lot of work involved in making pottery. And so they would need to have more than one person working on the job. And so what some people will go out and gather clay and gather stuff to do firings, do all of like the grunt work for it. Like that would be part of what the guys did. And then the women would be making pots and decorating them and doing all that stuff. So it was like a communal activity, but it required more than one specialist to, to provide the item to the community. And it was time consuming. It was time consuming. And so the idea is with increasing complexity of society, you have certain items that require more complexity of labor and more complexity right. of materials. Right. And more and more allotment of like your people in your community. Like you need to have those people's time taken up by just this one activity. In 1957, there was this guy named Carl Wittvogel, who was a historian, and he wrote a book called Oriental Despotism. (laughs) Yeah. But it was a theory of development of ancient civilizations. Uh And so he said it was the development of irrigation that led to mass labor and the beginnings of social classes and so how did that work because in mesopotamia and egypt they needed to start these massive irrigation projects right they were 
works where suddenly you really needed to organize labor because you need a lot of people to work on it. If you're irrigating, at that point, you're probably just digging canals and stuff like that. Right, right. right. But you need like a lot of people to work on it because you need it's such a massive undertaking. They had to organize mass labor. They had to have an organizational hierarchy in order to coordinate and direct the diggings of the irrigation system. And they needed some people who were good at figuring out problems like how to dig the irrigation system. Then also that those particular projects had government control because they were ensuring people having access to water. And so that was like the first time when it was like all the pieces are like working together. Government control, like they had somebody going around and making sure that everybody in every neighborhood had the same amount of water or whatever. Right, right, right. right. And making sure that everyone was cool with them putting the irrigation through wherever, you know, just doing all of the, like, romancing of it. The idea with irrigation is that you improve your crop yields per Uh area of land. Mm -hmm. So what were they making all the surplus food for? For trade, because they were... Ah, because trade had gotten kicked off. Okay. So you start improving your crop yields so you have more food to trade with other people for cool shit that you want. Right. It was at this time also that government, instead of being patriarchal, was impersonal. So you had a ruling class as opposed to being like everyone was a large group and they were led by their common relative. So now it's you've just got somebody who is your neighborhood irrigation inspector. <laughs> right, right. So now and now you have the ruler has no connection to you. They no. are they are different classes than you are. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> um and then around this time also when they started developing these farms, the farms started being attacked by other groups of people. So they needed armies to protect the farmers, which created the officer class. Oh, cops were invented. People were attacking the fields mm-hmm. to steal the food. Right. Oh, because... It's a new concept that it's my food and not our food. And it's all this surplus. The surplus is what's causing the problem. Right. <laughs> Um, and so you'd have individual towns now, and we're still, like, kind of in prehistory. We're actually at the cusp in between prehistory and history, actually. So you'd have the towns, and each town would have someone who specialized in whatever whatever service you needed. And so you would have potters and weavers and guys who would do metal work, and you would have guys who would write, and you would have doctors, and you would have whoever the fuck, right? Vloggers, yeah. Yeah, sure. Podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> Shit posters. <laughs> hey, it's a living. Right. Kind of. <laughs> and so they, as they had like people specializing, they were doing trade, and then people started having surpluses. The economy started getting a little bit more complicated. So suddenly they needed to find a way to keep all this straight all this shit straight how are we supposed to find out how many pots are supposed to be here for how many pieces of bread we were going to trade those pots for okay let's invent writing oh yeah it was basically like the, the like the main reason was people wanted receipts they wanted record books of all their shit i'm keeping receipts right that's one of the <laughs> 
one of the first pieces of writing we have is like a receipt for trading grain and mm-hmm. like Sumerian. Yeah, right. Because that's, that's what people wanted, man. I don't know. I, I want to make sure I get all my grain I'm supposed to have. Suddenly people are very concerned about what mine is and what yours is. That's the whole basis of our whole society. If no one ever wanted to, to make sure that they were getting absolutely everything they could, everything they were owed, we would never have a society. Could be good. Could be bad. <laughs> Without trading corn and recording how much corn you trade for for papyrus and corn (laughs) chips. Totopos, as they are called. Totopos. (laughs) And you like a totopo. Without that, we would never have Apple Watch. Right, right, right. The watch that calls the cops on you when it thinks you fall down. And so, when they invented writing, the dawn of history end of prehistory, when they were able to write down how much one person had and how much one person owed to the other person, now we have economic and social classes. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> and that's when poor people were invented. Good job. You just invented poor people. Right. <laughs> You just invented poverty. Yeah. Uh, so back then, you got your social pyramid, top of the pyramid, pharaoh or whoever the fuck, right? The ruler of the area, uh, followed by nobles, priests, traders and merchants, artisans and craftsmen, and then peasants. Yeah. And it's a pyramid, so there's the most of the peasants because they're the ones right. that actually have to do the work. Right. Those are the essential workers. <laughs> right. <And> the- <laughs> As we've learned, they're heroes. Right. <laughs> Around this time, they also started doing this thing where occupations were hereditary. So if your dad made rocks, you would make rocks. I would, yeah. You would be Andy Rockmaker, and then your son would be Bob Rockmaker. Oh, my grandfather was a fucker. <laughs> <laughs> That's where, well, I mean, that's where Smith came from. Uh-huh. Those were blacksmiths, right? right? It's the most common English surname. In the Roman Empire, hereditary occupations were enforced by law. And so if you were Andy Rockmaker, you weren't allowed to not make rocks. Really? And so it was enforced, but people really didn't even try to not do that. That is why Jesus got in trouble with the Romans. Because they were like, what did your dad do? And he's like, long story, my dad did everything. (laughs) Okay, Jesus everything. Get up there. (laughs) Having the people who had the same job always be associated with each other was the start of them having trade guilds. Was that like a union? It is like, uh, it's like networking, kind of. Like you, er, er, like all the all the guys who do this one thing all know each other. They like share information. They share like resources. So they, all of the rock makers stick together so we all have access to the rock wiki and stuff like that. Right, make sure like no one's like way super undercharging. Ah, price fixing. Okay. You know what? You go out and get a big rock and you tell me how long it takes you to whittle that down into a little rock like you like. (laughs) I know that rocks are outside, but you come to a rock maker for a rock that you like. (laughs) 
How big is it? Any size you want, baby. That's why you go to the professionals. That's the rock maker promise. <laughs> it sounds like a million dollar idea. Sounds like you just invented the economy. <laughs> so yeah, so that was basically how they organized society and the idea of people having jobs and work and economy and things like that, right? But the basic unit back then was family units where people would have like a little farm. Like the majority of people wouldn't have a particular job. Most people would just be farmers. Farmers. Peasant and then farmers, they'd, yeah. They just hang out and eat food they grew. Yeah. Pretty chill. Yeah, it's pretty chill, yeah. It's I mean, not bad. How much time a day do you spend on your onions? None during the winter, that's the thing. <laughs> you spend a lot of time eating all your onions you've been growing all year. <laughs> I can't think of anything better than sitting around in a pile of hay <laughs> covered in cockroaches just eating my onions. Yeah, right. <laughs> Grubbing onions, baby. That's the life. You would have these family farms, and then obviously, like, the dudes would all plow the fields, and the lady would do the cooking, and there was whatever, right? And those units of people were part of, like, estates that were run by the Roman Empire. Like, their farms. Oh, so now we're talking about serfdom. Right. Now we're talking about landowners. Mm-hmm. Their their existence was fair, pretty stable, though, in the grand scheme of things, because it's just like whoever was controlling their land would flip back and forth, like it was the Romans and it was the other group of people or whatever, but they were still, they were always the serfs. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> it's pretty stable to be at the bottom. Like, you can guarantee you're always going to be there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so the constant of people at the bottom staying at the bottom is a constant in itself uh-huh. okay yeah. that's the scene right we started working our way up into the middle ages right as time progressed into the middle ages there were industries that got kind of big and one of the main industries in the middle ages that got fairly large was wool oh yeah because linen and silk were too expensive for people to use and cotton was not particularly common it was like what everyone's clothes were made out of was wool. And we're talking at this point mostly Europe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Western Europe. So when you make wool, it's like a pain in the ass. You got you to gotta raise a sheep. You got to shear the sheep. Brush the hair out so it's not all knotted up. And then you got to spin it into yarn. You got to right? clean it so it doesn't have sheep shit in it. Oh. You got to spin it into thread and then you have to weave the thread into cloth. And you have to dye it and... It's like a production, right? Mm-hmm. It was like a big industry that employed a lot of people, but it was also like an important industry. They were making fabric, and the fabric they made was like not great. Yeah. It was like not the best fabric, right? Rough. It was caca a little bit. And so some people were like, oh, I wish my clothes were nicer than these ones. So they were like, well, some people who make fabric are very good at it what if we take our raw materials and instead of making it here where it's caca we can give it to this other group of people who are good at it and they will just process our raw materials for us and give us the nicer fabric Mm. in return yeah that process was called putting out They would put the materials out, and then they would get the stuff in return. And once we're into Roman Roman times, we're talking about money. Mm-hmm. 
We're talking about abstract units of value. We're talking about silver, electrum, gold coins, right? Mm -hmm. So by that time, people have already decided to use these abstract stores of value and exchange them to represent a value. Mm -hmm. So I would give you a whole bunch of wool, just old matted up shitty wool uh -huh. with shit on it. And then I would give you some old Caesar coins or whatever. A couple buckets. You know what? Uh, if I were in the Roman times and I had silver coins and they had Julius' head on it, I would call those little Caesars. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm going to bring you a bunch of sheep's wool. I'm going to give you a couple little Caesars here. We call that hot and ready, baby. <laughs> Putting out led to people taking in work, like, on the side. Yeah. And so people who were farmers and peasants would also have stuff that was put out to them. And so when they were just lounging around waiting for a ship to grow, then the ladies would make some yarn and weave some fabric. And this was the beginning of the filling up of the time. Right. So it was that... People had mm -hmm. relaxation time, and this is slowly being filled up by labor. Mm -hmm. They would work, if they were harvesting stuff, then they would not make fabric. But if they were not working on farm stuff, they would do fabric stuff, right? And then when they, when they had to plant stuff, they would put the, put the yarn shit away, and they would go back outside, right? Yeah, no more chilling around in your piles of hay all winter crunching onions. Right. The process of putting out... And having work sent out to various people and being like, I'm going to find the person I like who to do the fabric. I'm going to find the person to do this. I'm going to find the person to make the buttons and, and put out all this work, right? By doing that, it was the first time that merchants were able to organize work and sequence technical processes in order to make things to like a standard. So now the merchants who were getting this stuff, marking it up and selling it. Instead of just saying, I have fabric or saying I have whatever raw material that people would purchase from the merchant. Like they, people didn't buy ready-made clothes back then, so they wouldn't bought fabric. Instead of saying, here's the generic fabric that they make here at the fabric place, that you can just go down to the mill and buy it, you can get it from the merchant who has a higher quality fabric that he sourced, he outsourced it to specific people along the way to make it, make the fabric to the standard that he wanted to have in his store. So this is the start of retailers being known for quality. Versus yeah. cheap items. So this is all, all of, all of these factors of the modern economy were emergent behaviors of these economic systems. Right. And putting out was the putting out system was also the first instances of practices that led to industrial capitalism in the 19th century as well. So it led directly to the industrial revolution. Right. That's when things really went downhill. Right. And so that is how we went from being animals to being people who go to work. I think this is why people have the compulsion to like buy chickens, have a chicken coop, grow vegetables, you know what I'm saying? Right. People have the compulsion to do this because 
when you start leaving the economic system, you feel more in control of what's happening. And of course, the economic system relies on you not being in control of it rather than you being in control of acquiring the bottom of your Maslow's hierarchy of needs, your food and water. Instead of you being in control of that, you must become a gear a cog in the machine in order to create value which is abstract and then you receive abstract remuneration which you then trade for doritos or downloadable files <laughs> i will say that trading labor for dlc is probably the most dehumanizing thing you can do yeah right <laughs> buying a copy of a digital file Subscribing to a service to stream your music back to you that you own on a cassette tape in your house or subscribing to a service and every time you buy a new PlayStation paying $14 again so you can play Grand Theft Auto San Andreas on your new PlayStation instead of your old one. <laughs> That's just a dark, twisted road that all began with people putting out. <laughs> Uh, I think that's why they fucked up. That's why they said sex work is the oldest profession because somebody read Putting Out and they were like, I knew it. <laughs> it was wool. That's everybody, the sex work, they're like, it's the oldest thing you could do. No, wool. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> I think that they probably didn't invent sex work until until there were cities. Yeah, it was like the 1940s. It was all free up to that point. I mean, it was it was free until until what you would do is you would be traveling between cities and you would have your burrow and it would be laden with your goods and you would roll up to a town and a guy in a cloak would be like, "Hello traveler, do you need your dick sucked?" <laughs> and it's yes, yes or no or tell me more. <laughs> Traveler. Do you need your quim munched? <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> Depends on the merchant. <laughs> Did you know that scientists think that people should work until they're 80, but they should only work 25 hours a week? That's what they say would be ideal. I mean, you can make up any situation. You can take a Lego guy and pull his legs off and then you can take <laughs> you could take two sets of Lego legs and put them side by side and put them in the Lego man's body and you could say Lego men should have four legs. <laughs> I mean, you can you can say anything. <laughs> you know that we interviewed an astronaut at NASA and he said people should only work 11 hours a week but they should do it until they're 170. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's fine for people to have uh, structured activity, but just when I think about people working when they're 80, it's just like somebody who it's like they'll run an inspirational story about like an 85-year-old guy who still works at Walmart and he's a greeter. Like he's doing it because he needs, he's doing it because he needs the money. Yeah. Is being a Walmart greeter easy? I don't know. Do they still have Walmart greeters? I don't know. You're the one with the facts. 
I don't go to, I haven't gone to Walmart though. Not going to Walmart is not a class thing. Not going to Walmart to me is a thing with Walmart being a disgusting company. Everyone knows how bad Walmart is. Uh, yeah, I mean, you don't need to quantify it. They're objective. I would love to be able to go to Walmart though, but I can't. My conscience will not allow me to go to Walmart. It's one of the. It's one. I don't. I don't boycott things very often, but I boycotted Walmart a long time ago, and I intend to continue with it. Yeah, gosh, I'm trying to think if I've ever boycotted anything. I boycotted Bite Squad. They keep bringing me. They kept bringing me food late. Yeah. <laughs> There's like 14 food delivery companies in Columbus. You really got to step your game up. If I order dinner, you can't text me at 7:45 and ask me if i still want my chinese food i ordered at six dude right we boycotted uline we did we boycotted uline we found out yeah. they were nuts and so we, we stopped spending money there i knew they were nuts but then they very publicly and blatantly supported the re-election of roy moore in alabama which is not even their fucking business because they're in fucking illinois yeah or wisconsin or some shit so fuck them yeah <laughs> I I knew they were nutballs. I just was like, fuck it. Like, everybody's crazy. Like, just get your envelopes. But then they crossed the line. I felt pretty empowered boycotting them, though, because we buy a lot of envelopes. Yeah, and then somebody from Uline wrote me, and they were like, hey, uh, you haven't placed an order in six months. Is there anything we can do to meet your needs? And I was like, yeah, you need to get a time machine. And you need to not donate $100,000 to Roy Moore's election campaign in fucking Alabama, dude. <laughs> I was like, all respect. I know you're the email person. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know you're the you're the email manager or whatever, but just like, that's why. Like, let's be straight up. Right. Uh, did you know that multitasking can drop your IQ by 10 points? Which is the equivalent of not sleeping the night before, and twice the effect of of getting high before working. Whoa. Okay. Let's hold up. So, getting high before you work is only half as bad as not sleeping, which is what everybody does. Right. Nobody fucking sleeps. When do you have time to sleep? What if you don't sleep and you smoke weed and you multitask? That sounds like a recipe for like cleaning the bathroom. That's what I always fucking do. Get ripped and then be like, all right, we got to wash the floor, clean the walls, clean the floorboards, clean the bathtub, clean the shower stall, clean the toilet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, multitasking. I think people started saying that in the 90s when Friends was on TV because what happened was they all had to watch Friends because then you would have to say that you saw what Ross did. Yeah. But people didn't actually like that show. It was just like the standard. It was just so you would put it on and then you would write letters or you would do some math problems or something while Friends was on. And that's when they started saying multitasking. That's when that w came <laughs> from. Yeah, and it's not it's not something real that you do because it's like looking at two things at the same time with your eyes. Like, you can't really do that. You can't write an email while you do something, while you spin yarn with your hands. You can't water a cactus with nuclear arms. You know what I'm saying? Right. You can't go through your life doing two things at once. Even expert piano players, you might say, well, they multitask. No, they're playing the same thing with both their hands, dumbass. <laughs> Just one is lower down. Hey, you're a watch, friends. 
I was aware of it, but I never sat and watched it. Like it just, it just wasn't for me. I would have never gone and driven to an elementary school I didn't go to to watch their spring recital of all their children singing choir songs. It's just not for me. Why am I there? Why would I watch Friends? Yeah. What their friends? First of all, alien concept. <laughs> oh, you guys are adults and you just hang out with each other. Okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> You guys, like, tell each other. How many people are in Friends? There's six people in Friends. I mean, I'm sure there's more, but there was... There was six people, so there was always like a little crossing. They would they would do X's with each other. They would kiss each other and stuff. So there was always <laughs> I, like I was always vaguely aware of it as a as a phenomenon. Right. It literally never occurred to me to like sit and watch it. But there was a time when I was like thirteen or fourteen where I was like pubescent. But it was just like a foreign concept that I would like have a girlfriend or I would like make out with a girl or something. Right. Right? It's just like watching Friends. Like, that's... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll watch that when I get older. <laughs> I don't think I had a TV when it was on, maybe. It, ha it happens. You wouldn't have needed a TV back then. I think they canceled Friends. And this is totally incorrect. I'll preface this by saying... <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. I'll preface this by saying this is wrong. But I think they canceled Friends because I think all the men and women on it said they wanted a million dollars and they said no and they're like well we're gonna quit doing friends and then i think what happened was that they said i want a million dollars every episode to do friends and the tv was like okay and then they just made it until it was until they completely exhausted any possible plot point that would have happened in the show like without having an episode where they go to outer space like the, they had to they had to tie it up they had to put a bow on it that, <laughs> you know, that could have been good. Outer space with a laugh track. <laughs> they put a laugh track, right? I think that's why, that's why I never, I, I just never watched anything with a laugh track. Because it's like, if you're telling me when to laugh. Don't tell me what to do, dum-dum. I'm not here to chuckle when you want me to, usually. <laughs> Did you know that the average work week is between 40 and 44 hours a week? But in France, their work week is 35 hours per week. That sounds nice. In the labor camps in North Korea, their work week is 112 hours. Don't that, get a job there. Don't get a job in North Korea. Now, what is that? 14? I'm trying to do that math. Four, anyway, a lot. There's <laughs> only 168 hours a week. So how, 168 minus 112. Not much, baby. How much is it? Not much, baby. <laughs> the... Prisoners in the labor camp at North Korea need a union. Yeah. They need well. to come back and say, listen, we've all teamed up. We have demands. We want to work 100 hours a week. We want 12 hours a week to be able to go to the bathroom when we want. Yeah. That's what we need. We need to just bring a little socialism to them. Did you know that... The Industrial Revolution is what made it so people worked as long as they did, and they worked 
Because before that, people's labor was tied to what season it was. Some seasons, there would not be any work to do. Yeah, the idea of having entire weeks and months where you would just not labor. And also, prior to the Industrial Revolution, people couldn't work at certain times because there wasn't light. Oh, yeah. They didn't have artificial lighting at all. When I think about the light situation, like basically prior to the 1900s, It's like a guy in a nightcap that is like two feet long and then he's holding a little tin plate that has one single candle on it and he's creeping around his house at night. Yeah. Scroogey situation, candle boy. Scroogey the candle boy. See you walking around there with candle dum-dum, candle much? (laughs) (laughs) Good luck working by candlelight. Real bitch move relying on that candle to see shit, dum-dum. Candle boy. That's... (laughs) I think that's... You know, you take the good with the bad. Maybe you wouldn't have had to labor in certain seasons and certain hours of the day. But you would be called bitch by people in the future. (laughs) Did you know that Charles Darwin invented the office chair? No... What? He invented the office chair when he put wheels on his own chair so he could wheel around the office easier. Now, I call that evolution. It's the evolution of chair. That's what I call the origin of wheelies. <laughs> uh, did you know that the average office chair travels about eight miles per year? What? Really? Reeling back and forth. People, and back and scoot, forth, and back and forth. people scoot around in them that much, uh-huh, really? Uh-huh. I wouldn't have thought. I, I need to get back into spinning my chair around real fast. Was that something you did at work? I used to do it all the time, yeah. You mean like while you were in it? Yeah, free drugs, baby. <laughs> I never liked spinning my chair. It wasn't like drugs. It was like just side effects. Ooh, oh, it's crazy. Yeah, like that. I think that's always, everybody was always obsessed with huffing when I was a kid. And I was like, that sounds like all side effects. Right. No, you don't want to huff. Quick, quick, quiz, quiz. Um, what are the three most common jobs in America? Number one is truck driver. Uh, what? Really? Not according to this list, baby. <laughs> truck driver is the most common job in like over 30 states. Uh, I don't know, retail store worker? Salesperson? I would imagine most of the people, just by numbers, most of the people who work in a grocery move stuff around and put it on the shelves and stuff. But I don't know. Maybe there's fewer of those than there are salespeople, cashiers, whatever you want to call them. Cashiers is number two. Cashiers is different. Salesperson and cashier are different? Uh-huh. Imagine walking through a grocery and there's somebody like, is there any food I can help you find? Have you considered apples today? Or perhaps some crackers? What can I do to get you take home four of these pears today? <laughs> this is going to be, I'm going to have to call. pears. I'm going to have to call upstairs. This is a special deal. But I, you are going to walk home with a pair today, and we're going to work together to make this happen. <laughs> Salesperson, cashiers, um, nurses. No. What's the third one? 
fast food workers. That makes more sense. Because nobody has health care and everybody eats fast food. That's exactly the picture of America that everybody has in France where they work 35 hours a week. So they have five extra hours to talk about how they're better than us. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sorry, that's called punching up. If you don't want to be punched, give me your health care, motherfucker. Right. We're punching up, baby. Do you know what is usually ranked as the worst job in the world? There are some bad ones. I've worked in fast food, and I've worked as a salesperson and a cashier, and those are not the worst jobs. <laughs> no, they're not. I know that the that the number one job or the number one operation in factories that causes the most disfiguring injuries is the industrial press. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's ranked the worst job because I just think from a safety standpoint, that's the worst piece of machinery you could use. I think the worst job that people would say is the worst is a janitor. Manual sewer cleaner. Really? Someone who gets down in the sewers and digs shit out of clogs with their hands. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize that was a job to go down in the sewer and scoop it out and come back out. It is. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) Did you know 24% of commuters say that when they are stuck in traffic, they think deep thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) I like the idea. I wish I had a, a constant stream of what thoughts other people thought they were having that were deep. Like what other people think that their deep thoughts are. I would like a live stream of a commuter's deep thoughts. That would be fantastic to me. I once had some, I once got an email and God bless them. I got an email from somebody and they're like, I was just sitting here and I wasn't even, I wasn't looking at anything that was like this. And I was just sitting and I just had an idea of like, and they described something to me. And they were like, I just had this idea out of nowhere. It just popped into my head and it was so random and weird. I wanted to share it with you. And this was in the era where you would email people. Sure. And so I wrote them, I wrote them back and I was like, what you just had is an idea. Mm-hmm. Some people get ideas all the time. They'll have a thought process and they think of something that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It comes into their head and it's a new idea. And what you just had is an idea. Congratulations. When I'm saying this, it sounds like it's insulting, but I think it was very much like meeting of the minds, like two people who have very different thought processes. Like I have a, I have a cycle, I have a, a stream of consciousness that is going and I think of all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Most of it is stupid, but you take the good ideas you have and record those and evolve them, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder what the deep thoughts the commuter had. I wanted to know so much. If you are a commuter and you have <laughs> deep thoughts, let us know on the Discord, patreon.com slash garbagebrainuniversity. I wish we could set up an anonymous submission engine where people could just type in their deep thoughts and just submit them. Like, they don't have to say who they are. They don't have to give an email address. Just give me your deep thoughts and just get out. I want to I ponder your shit. What's your, what, what do you got going on in your weird little melon? Did you know that Garbage Brain University is brought to you by Harlem Township, Ohio? It is the premier township in central Ohio. and It's gorgeous. You love it. Give it a visit. Beautiful fall foliage. You can't beat it. 
And Garbage Brain University is also sponsored by Hazel Technologies. Hazel Technologies has those little pouches that have the stuff in them so your fruit will not get rotten when it's in a box and you're shipping it to a second location. And if you haven't subscribed yet, patreon.com slash garbagebrainuniversity. Get instant access to our 24-7 chat room. We play GeoGuessr every day, geographical challenges, zoom around on the map. We also have over 60 paid episodes you haven't heard yet, including our mini-series, Alien Timber. Alien Timber, a deep dive into the world of aliens. We have revealed, we will reveal, some secrets of the alien world nobody has talked about yet, but you're going to have to subscribe to learn more. Good diet information. Or old age, whichever. <laughs> whichever is more whichever. peaceful. Whichever. Yeah. So thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Love you. Goodbye.